0: for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Before we go to today's message, we want to invite you to check out our website, www.harvestagokc.com. Again, that's harvestagokc.com. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. You know, there are two subjects that take a lot of courage to deal with in the church. Sex and money. And to add fuel to the fire, Travis forced a five-hour energy drink down my throat before service started today. I may set my hair on fire. Hey, I've never had one of those before. That'll kind of get you going. And so, you know, in church, we don't deal very much with sex and money. And and because we try to act spiritual, well, Christians act like that, that they're not interested in either one of them. When the fact is, we're really interested in both of them. I mean, I may be old, but I ain't dead. But you know, many Christians become uncomfortable when you mention sex, even in the proper context. Christian couples feel like sex, well, it's the one dirty thing that God lets us do. Hey, don't get super religious with me. I mean, you know, we think he really doesn't like it, but he turns his head and says, all right, go ahead, go ahead, get finished, hurry up. Okay, now get back to being spiritual. So, Christians don't like to talk about sex even though we want some. How much time do we have today? Well, in the same way, Christians don't like to talk about money, even though we want some. Hey, Tom, not get super sainty on me. but you know when you start talking about money in church well people they either roll their eyes they close their ears and grab their wallet or they get all puffed up how dare him talk about money in church but friend if let me reason with you a second While you are waiting on your chariot to take you to heaven, you're probably going to have to make a few car payments and possibly you're going to have to make a few mortgage payments and you may have to put some braces on your kid's crooked teeth. Hello? So shouldn't we find out how God feels about money? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning of verse 6. But this I say, he who who sows sparingly, that's that five-hour energy drink, man, it's got my tongue all crazy. (laughs) He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you Always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving. Through us to God. Now, notice verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward who? You. God is speaking directly to you. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, not sometimes, not part time, but always having some sufficiency. Having all sufficiency, okay, okay, but in some things. Just in spiritual things. Man, that five-hour energy drink is messing with my eyes. I'm not reading right. Friend, I want you to know God's grace can abound to you to the degree where you have all sufficiency in all things so there is not any lack anywhere in your life. Now, I didn't write this. Kenneth Copeland didn't write this. Oral Roberts didn't write this. This was in the Word of God before we ever got here. God said He is able to make His grace abound toward you that you might have all sufficiency in all things. I can tell it's going to be a tough crowd today. Now, if you don't believe for it, you're not going to get it. And then God's grace in this area is going to be wasted. And the living word of God will lay dormant between the covers of your Bible, saying, well, they must not be interested. And you will frustrate that grace of God in your life. But my Bible said that the grace of God is there so that you might have all sufficiency in all things. because you're satisfied with some sufficiency, you shut down what you could have from God and you're satisfied to walk around with half a blessing rather than having a totally holistic life, a life that is complete in every way. Because friend, whether it's comfortable or not, whether we're talking about sex or money, It's my job to show you what is in this testament so that you can understand what has been willed to you. Now, whether you receive it or not, well, that's up to you. You see, I can will my kids money, and I'm sure they hope I do. But me willing it to them does not mean that I force it on them. It just means that if they care to make the effort to collect it, it has already been laid up for their benefit. And so it's going to take effort on your part for you to receive what the Heavenly Father has laid up for you. And if you will stop whimpering and stop crying, stop whining, stop feeling sorry for yourself, and decide that you are in fact a child of the King and act on His word, the grace of God will abound towards you that you might have sufficiency in all things. Now folks, you've got to get money out of your mind. Because when I say money, you guys shut down. I am talking about not just finances, while I am talking about finances, but I am talking about every aspect of your life. This is what this scripture is talking about. So God's last will and testament says, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you'll get up off your wallet and unlock your purse, if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. But, but, it's up to you if you're going to collect. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Our scripture that says, may all sufficiency abound toward you that you may not have any lack. Well, in my example here, that's the furnace. That's the central heating system. Now, your giving is the thermostat. Now, just because you have 100,000 BTUs in the furnace doesn't mean that you use all of them all the time. The furnace size is just telling you how much heat is available. But maybe if you don't turn the thermostat, you ain't going to get any heat. And it will not be the furnace's fault because the setting of the thermostat is totally under your control. So the Bible says that when you give, what are you doing? You're cranking up the thermostat. And so if you only want a little bit, well, you just turn the thermostat a little bit. But if you want to heat up your life, you crank that thermostat full throttle and let God pour out a blessing that there's not room enough for you to handle. Now, I've got sidetracked. The five-hour energy drink just messed me up, and that's really not the point of my message today. That I just threw that in. Didn't cost you a thing. Don't worry. I'm not taking another offering. So, you know, don't worry about it. My first focus today is really in verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. But just in... Full disclosure, we'll even take money from a gripe gut. We will. God's not happy about it, but we will. Trav, you okay with that? Bring it on, baby. We'll even take sinful money. You win the lottery, you went on the ponies out of the track, bring it in. We'll pray over it, sanctify it, we'll put it to God's use. We are non discriminatory discriminatory (laughs) towards funds. God loves a cheerful giver. Now look at that word necessity. God says, I don't want you to give out of necessity. You know, this is going to bring up the question today, who is blessing who in this process? You know, we're so used to hearing that the Lord needs your help. Give money so you can help God accomplish what he wants to accomplish. But I want you to know, friend, God does not need your help. God is not in trouble. He does not have bad credit, and he certainly does not need a handout from me. So if you give to do God a favor or to get him out of a pinch, we're not serving the same God. Because my God is not sweating the 15th of the month. He's not worried about being overdrawn, and he does not need your money. Now, I'm not going to look over here because Josh and Travis may be fainting right now. Teach you to shoot me up with five-hour energy drink. (laughs) But it's the truth. It's the truth. God does not need your money. And and listen, excuse me, whether you give or not, that's really none of my business. It's really not. It's really none of Travis's business. If you choose not to tithe, that's up to you. If you don't want to abound in the grace of God with all sufficiency in all things, if you don't want your harvest, okay. Okay. I mean, why would I be mad just because you decide to starve yourself and not receive what God's had, what God has laid up for you? I'm not upset about it. Now, I do feel sorry for you, but, you think, but the thing is, friend, if you want to receive, you're going to have to get this concept down in your spirit because if you don't, you're going to walk around in bondage just depending on people and depending on things, trying to get through. But listen, friend, you don't need anyone to help you out when you have God on your side. So the fact is, God doesn't need what I have. I need what he has. I mean, think about it. Right now, the economies of the world, man, I mean, they're doing the Watusi. How many remember the waltz? be careful—you're going to date yourself, Travis. You know what waltz is, do you, Rochelle? Do you know what the see is? I didn't think you would. You're too young. That's a dance back in the day. Now I never did it because back then we didn't believe in dancing. You know, it's a more liberal day now. So yeah, no, I just I read about it in the encyclopedia because we didn't have Google either. <laughs> Travis, you messed up. Feed me that stuff, man. <laughs> but I want you to know even the strongest economies in this world are wobbling like a plate of warm jello. I mean, how much is our money worth? How much do we have set aside for retirement? Everyone is shaking. But I can assure you that our God is not watching CNN to see whether there's going to be a war in the Middle East. He's not waiting on our president or the UN to make a decision so he can decide what his next move is going to be. Almighty God has it all together, and Almighty God is rich. Now, rich is a relative term. Someone said to me, I think you're rich. Matter of fact, I think it was one of my kids. And I said, no, I'm not rich. I'm blessed. I am blessed. Now, first of all, being blessed is a lot better than being rich. And second of all, just to set the record straight, as far as tangible assets, I have just enough to recognize what rich is, and rich don't live at my house, at my address. Rich is in another part of town, to get that straight. But I'm not rich, but I have access. And I have access to the God who owns it all. You see, when your father is rich, it makes you look rich. Remind me of the time, one time Visa, the credit card company, they wanted to give one of my kids a credit card. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's going to pay for that thing? I mean, the kid doesn't even have a job. I mean, he's only 27. What is wrong with you? Don't tell your brothers I said that either. Now, friend, our blessings, they come from heaven, above. But to receive them, we're going to have to be obedient and follow what God's Word has to say. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. And don't do it with an attitude and don't do it out of necessity because God is not in trouble. What Paul is teaching them and us is don't think that your giving is getting God out of a pinch. The fact is that we need to give it more than God needs to receive it. But you see, some people, they, they need to feel needed. And so people respond to causes. And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't even have to be in the church. It can be little starving children in the Sudan. It can be pets that have been abandoned by their owners. But whenever people are touched with the magnitude of a need, well, they'll sit back and they'll evaluate. They'll think, you know, Helen, we could help. We could help that. And so, they write a check. Now, as we've seen today, you all know that I'm out there like Pluto. If you've known me very long, you know I'm out there like Pluto. And so, I don't want to, I don't want to offend anybody, but... I'm sure you've seen the picture or the video of the starving child in Africa. His face is dirty. There's flies all around, and and they're wanting you to give. Now, is it just me, or has anyone else also wondered, doesn't the cameraman have a sandwich in his backpack to help the kid out? (laughs) Now, I I know I need medication, and so I'm I'm willing to go to the doctor this week. But, I mean, you know, that's what goes through my mind. Give the kid... A cracker. But people get a warm feeling out of giving because they have responded to that particular need. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But you see, many times people can't understand why other people, why we just break out into spontaneous giving when there is no cause. Because many people give out of necessity. They need to be needed or they feel morally responsible to respond to that need and then they're able to walk away with the reward of feeling like, see, I gave, so, so I'm a good person. And that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. But they can't understand the kind of giving that Paul is teaching when he says, don't give out of necessity. Don't be, give because you feel guilty. Don't give with a bad attitude. Now, of course, we should give when there's a need, of course, that, that there is nothing wrong with that. There are important and worthy needs to support. But the reason that we give to God should be because we simply love God. That's why we give to our Lord and Savior. There is always going to be good ground to sow into so that we might have all sufficiency in all things. But then to compound that point, when we give many times, then we look to people for our supply. But sometimes it's not good for someone to bail us out. In Genesis chapter 14, Abraham turned down money. He said, put away your money. I won't even take a sandal strap so that you can't say that you're the one who made me rich. But I want you to know, friend, God will put you in situations so that you have good ground to sow your seed in so that he can, in his way and in his time, take you from one degree of grace to the next degree of grace so that you may abound in all things. And what does that translate to? Well, that translates to the fact that God already has all of our missions projects paid off. And that translates in your life that God already has your house paid off. God already has your car paid off. God even has your credit cards paid off, but he did ask me to tell you to quit adding to the balance. He that has an ear, let him hear. But God already has more than enough laid up for you. But the problem is, we need to get our head around his bigger picture. You see, what we have trouble grasping is that God is an eternal God. Now, we say we realize that, and we may even understand that on some level, but we really don't believe that in our own life. But I want you to know, our eternal God provides eternal provision. God is not a temporary father. Whenever God fixes something, He fixes it eternally. He provided enough that it took care of your past, He provides for your present, and He will provide for your future. Let me show you what I mean. When Jesus paid the debt of sin on Calvary, He shed His blood for those who had lived, for those who were alive at that time, and for those who would live in the future. I wasn't even a gleam in my daddy's eye when Christ died, but he had already paid enough so that when I got here and messed up 2,000 years later, Jesus Christ did not have to go to the cross again to die for my sins. Jesus says, my sins have already been paid for, so when God provides, it is for everything past, present, and future. Now, you might not choose to believe that you may only choose to believe him for your past due rent that's where the amount of the crank in your thermostat comes into play but god has provided for everything you will ever need and so if you know okay mike yeah okay if god has provided everything and he has everything he's rich he needs nothing then why does he ask anything of us Well, because I love you so much, I'm going to give you the short answer, and not the one that takes two hours and 15 minutes. Can I hear an amen? I can do the other one if you want. Listen, it's simple as this. God asks us to give because we need to give it more than he needs to receive it. Turning your thermostat doesn't make the heater more powerful than it is. It just controls what level you receive the heat. Now, now, my wife has been delivered, I hope, but she used to be thermostatically challenged. She is a blonde. Hey, I cleared it with her first. You think I'm going to get up there and play a blonde joke on my wife without getting permission? <laughs> I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. Well, wait a minute. Just keep your comments to yourself. Calm down now. Calm down. But when Starla used to she'd come into the room and it was cold, she would turned the thermostat up to 90 degrees because she thought the higher you crank it up, the hotter the air is that comes out. No, 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 no. That's not true. If you walk in a room that is 55 degrees, the heat coming out of the vent won't be any different if you turn the thermostat to 65 degrees or to 95 degrees. The thermostat doesn't make the heater work harder. It just tells the furnace when to shut off. So when you say, Lord, I need to press down, shaken together, running over miracle, the spiritual concept works the same way. When you start sowing supernaturally with whatever you give, you are saying, God, this is the point. I want you to cut off my blessing." And the furnace, God in this case, will work until he reaches a limit you have set with your giving thermostat. And then it's going to cut off. Why does it cut off? Well, it sure doesn't cut off because God has run out of power or out of blessing. It cuts off because that's the limit that your giving has set. So, this morning... Where have you set your thermostat? If you set it down low, it'll work. And when it gets there, it's going to cut off. And so that's what Paul is saying. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. God has all power for everything and anything you'll ever need but you control the thermostat. Now, there's a good possibility that you may have more than one thermostat in your house. And if you do, then there could be one room that might be hot where another room might be cold. Each part of the house has its own thermostat. And that's why all of us can come to the same church, we can hear the same words, we can worship the same God, and one person receives a lot while the other person barely gets by. It's because even though we're serving the same God, each one of us has our own thermostat, so how hot do you like it? So if God doesn't need our money, then what does He get out of all this? How many of you have heard... You know, I I just don't know what to get you because it seems like you have everything. Have you ever heard that before? I pretty much hear it every Christmas. But you see, people who say that they don't understand <coughs> giving. I mean, they get frustrated because they're trying to give you something. <coughs> excuse me. That they think you need. You know, trying to give my folks something for Christmas, I mean, it was terrible. I mean, Terry and I, we would just go crazy trying to come up with something that would be meaningful to them. But here's the point. You don't need for someone to give you something that you could get yourself if you really wanted it. But what blesses you is a sacrifice that someone thought enough of you to stretch themselves and to be a blessing to you. It's not that they did something that you couldn't do for yourself. But it's that they went out of their way to try and express their love for you. But I want you to know there is nothing worse than living in a one-sided relationship where you're the one who's always giving to someone who never gives anything back. It's not that you need it, but it's just nice to be appreciated. I mean, ladies, I mean, you may be wonder woman around your house, but every now and then, wouldn't it be nice if you came in and the table was set, dinner was prepared, and someone said, Mama, or someone said, Sweetheart, take your shoes off, sit down and relax? I thought I'd get some amen from them ladies, or instead I just got Snickers like, there's no way, <laughs> snowballs, chance, and you know Where? It's not that these people cooked anything that you couldn't cook yourself. It's just nice that they took their time and thought of you. Well, you see, God doesn't need your money. Because whatever you give him is already his stuff. So what God gets out of your giving is that you are putting him first and you're going out of your way to bless him and tell him how much you love him. That's why Jesus carried on about the widow and her might in Mark chapter 12. I mean, Jesus is sitting there watching the plate as the people gave. You know the story. We've heard it since we were in Sunday school. How would you like it if I followed the offering bag as it went down your row? (laughs) It wasn't the amount that she gave. It was all about what she gave meant to her. The true value of any gift is based on how much it costs the person who gives it. And Jesus said, this woman has given more than them all because of how much it costs her. Whenever you see God complimenting people in their giving, it's because of how much the gift costs the one who gave it. God certainly didn't need her mites. But it was the statement about what her priorities were that blessed the Lord. Now, you might be thinking, Mike, I know, I understand. We shouldn't give things to God that aren't important to us. You know, we've heard it a hundred times. Every sermon on money we've ever heard has those same points. So we get it, can we go home now? Not yet. Not quite finished. So turn with me to John chapter 4. Remember, we're trying to get to the point where we can have sufficiency, all sufficiency in all things. Now, we're going to pick it up at verse 19, but this is where Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Friend, perception has everything to do with your ability to receive. Do you perceive that God is a God of his word? And that God will do what he has promised he will do for you. Perception is paramount. Now, here in our story, it's possible that that this woman thought that Jesus was just trying to hit on her. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it's the middle of the day. At the well where only women go. And here's this man by himself. And she walks up. And Jesus says, hey, woman, give me a drink. And so she may be thinking, hey, you want a drink? Oh, what's up, Daddy? You see, because this woman was used to being hit on. She had had five husbands, and she was working on number six. But she finally recognizes that Jesus is a prophet. Well, then she gets religious. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you say that Jerusalem is a place where we ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Now you're probably thinking, okay, Mike, you know, you've really gone off the deep end. Five-hour energy is taking its toll. What does this scripture have to do with giving? Well, the reason that this text goes over our head in our generation is because we think of worship as just saying words with our lips. Or worship is just people playing instruments and playing music with them that we really don't care for. That was pretty funny. I, th- I thought that was kind of a... But worship is what we give something we give lip service to. But see, back in the day of Jesus, they understood that worship was about giving. And when they worship, they always came with a gift. Now, the word worship is an old English word that is derived from two words, worth and ship. Worship says, this is how much you are worth to me. Now, Jesus said, woman, in the mountains, you have been giving worth to something that you do not know about. He said, "You've given a lot of sacrifice, you've invested in gods that could not answer you, and your whole system of worship is based on giving substance to things that cannot help you." Now, let me take a little detour right here. Is't it easier to give a gift to someone you know? Because then you know how to please them and you know what they like, right? And you're not guessing. And so when Jesus says, we know who we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, he knew who his God was. He knew who the one was that he worshiped. Because here's the thing, worship is exclusive for people who know God. Sinners can't worship. Now they can praise, but they can't worship. Anything that has breath can praise God because to praise God, you're going to say, thank you, Lord, for what you did. But when you worship, you are saying, God, I honor you for who you are. When you worship, you're saying, God, this is what you are worth to me. You can't describe God's worth if you are not saved because the only people who know how much God is worth are people who God snatched out of darkness, people who God has turned around, people who God has delivered and set them free. If you will think about it, if God hadn't adopted you, no telling, what would have happened to you? You could have lost your mind. You could be divorced now without a family. You could be a crack addict somewhere. So when we worship, when we worship, We are saying, all that I have is because of you, Lord. And so, if it's true worship, that means worship also has to translate into our giving. It's about saying, Father, this is what you are worth to me. You say, I can't speak for my neighbor, but as for me and my house, if you hadn't helped us out, I could not have raised these bratty kids. If you hadn't brought me through, I would have lost everything. Maybe Joe made it because he has a good therapist. Maybe Sally at work made it because she won the lottery. But I made it because I have a good God. I have a loving God. I have a Lord who is on my side. God does not need your money, but he does need you to express to him how much he's worth to you. Or Maybe it was just someone you used or you were in trouble. That got quiet. Have you ever been used? I grew up with a sister, I'm used to it. <coughs> it's a terrible feeling, isn't it? You bail me out of a the jam, then all of a sudden I get amnesia. Uncool so Jesus says the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. You see, it's not what they gave. It's what they meant by what they gave. And the Bible says that God is looking for someone who says, God, you are this important to me. God, you are a priority in my life. God, I'm not going to give you what's left. I'm going to give you what's right. Because, Lord, if you hadn't helped me, I wouldn't have anything anyway. God, you kept me from that bad decision. Whatever accomplishments I ever make in my life is only because you saved me out of the pit. Lord, I will never, 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 ever forget what you did for me. God, this is how much you are worth to me. So when the widow gave the mite, of course it blessed the Lord. While all the rich folks were deciding what they could write off, she was showing how much Jesus was worth to her. Others gave out of their convenience, but the widow gave God the worship that Jesus was talking about to the woman at the well. Oh, my goodness. Now, for the last point of my message, and I'm going to try to make it brief, we're going to take a little journey. If it applies to you, no problem. Just do something about it. If it. doesn't apply to you, thank the Lord and enjoy the ride. Because for the next few minutes, we're going on a guilt trip. <laughs> I need some. It's starting to wear down. Because I thought that was pretty stinking funny. And it went... Psh- I guess it's because of, you know, I've been preaching all the time that, you know, don't give out of guilt. Well, just bear me out a little bit. You know, we're coming up on Christmas. Can you believe it? And then our generation, a new phenomenon has emerged, and it's called phenomenon? Is that what I said? Phenomenon. Has emerged and it's called regifting. Everyone familiar with regifting? You know that person who receives something that they really don't want, and so to save time, but really, really to save money, they give it to someone else. Well, would you be surprised to know that regifting isn't new, that it's in the Bible? Turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. Again at verse 22. i got to hurry. David said to Ornan, grant me the place of this threshing floor. David says, give me a place to give my sacrifice. He says, I have a problem that needs God's attention, and there is a spiritual dilemma that is fighting my progress other than my budget. Folks, do you understand that there is a spiritual dynamic trying to keep you oppressed and depressed and in need? There is a battle going on in the spirit world for your life, for every aspect of your life. So David says, grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar on it to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at the the full price that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. David said, don't do me any favors because of who I am. He said, I want to pay full price because this isn't just a business deal. This isn't just a tax write-off. I've got a huge need to break the curse off of my house. So friend, God doesn't need your money, but you may need to give to break the curse of need out of your life if the shoe fits. But Ornan said to David, take it for yourself. I'm also going to give you the oxen for burnt offerings and the threshing floor instruments for the wood, and I'm even going to throw in the wheat for the grain offering. Ornan said, dude, it's all yours. I doubt if he said dude. He probably said, king, it's all yours. Then King David said to Ornan, no, no, but I will surely buy it for the what? full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings with that which cost me nothing. David said, I will not re-gift to God. Friend, as long as you give God things that cost you nothing, things out of your excess, it is not worship. Worthship. God, you're worth my leftovers. What makes the gift significant to God is how much of a sacrifice it was for you to give it. Your leftovers are not going to motivate God to bless you to where you abound in all things. You see, people get stuck at one level of giving because they're stuck at one level of giving. They never stretch themselves into the next dimension. But I want you to know, God says in Malachi, put me to the test. God says, I double-dog dare you and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven for you. Giving out of your excess does not test God nor test you. But God says, I've been waiting to make all grace abound towards you that you will always have all sufficiency in all things. God says, I've always had it for you. I hate to see you in that cold room wrapped up in blankets when my heater in heaven is overflowing with all kinds of blessings and all kinds of healing, all kinds of peace, all kinds of joy, and all kinds of contentment. God says, I have just been waiting for you to turn up the thermostat so I can show you what I'm able to do. Friend, our God in heaven is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you may ask or think. But it's up to you to receive it. Now, maybe you're in the minority who says, well, I I really don't need any more money. If that's you, see me after service, I want to borrow some (laughs) if you have extra. But friend, here's my point. I'm not just talking about money. The Word of God says you can have all sufficiency in all things. And so money may not be the issue in some of your lives, but maybe you need some peace in your life. Maybe money isn't that big a deal to you, but maybe you need some happiness in your home. Perhaps you've tried everything, but something's missing. You try to work it out. You try to figure it out. You try to counsel it out. You try to make it happen with hobbies. And you're searching. You're searching. But friend, if you'll just turn it over to the Lord, God has a way of turning things around. If it's a thing, God can do it. If it's a mountain, God can move it. If it's a burden, God can lift it. If it's sickness, God can heal it. If it's a problem, God can change it. But here's the fact your giving doesn't move you, probably your giving's not going to move God. I don't talk much about what Starla and I do with our giving and the blessings we receive. There's a fine line, very thin ice, between giving glory to God and people thinking that you're bragging. So I just don't go there. But ever since I was about 35 years old, whenever I was with my mom and dad, they never paid for a meal. They'd try to pick up the check. They'd take their credit card. I said, no, 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 your money's no good with me. And every time I was with one of them or both of them, I would pay for the meal. Now, did they need me to pay for that meal? Absolutely not. But it was a small tangible way that I could honor them. I could show them how much I loved them. How much I respected them. And thanking them for everything they had done for me. That is the point. That is what I'm trying to say today. But I'll tell you this one thing. I refuse to be better to my relatives and my friends than I am to my God. I refuse because I will let nothing separate me from God's grace that abounds so that I can have all sufficiency in all things. Stand with me. Sorry I've gone a little long. Altar workers, come on, take your place. Elders, come on.